Go ahead, open up your Bibles, church, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We are continuing our study of the book of Hebrews. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we were last in it, but we will be picking it up in Hebrews 11 verse 8. And let me just remind you that throughout the book of Hebrews, we've been seeing this common theme that Jesus is better, that Jesus is better, that Jesus is our better high priest, that Jesus is our better king, that Jesus is our better prophet, our better word from God, that he's offered up a better sacrifice for our sins and how he now mediates a better covenant. And this morning... We will see through the faith of Abraham and Sarah how Jesus has made us citizens of his better city. Jesus has made us citizens of his better city. Now, I realize for those of you that live in Franklin, uh, it might be difficult to imagine living as a citizen of a better city. Right? Because Franklin is, is pretty awesome. Can we not agree? Now, those of you that live, you know, outside of Franklin, I won't name those towns that people are coming from, but it's probably easy for you guys to envision living in a better city. But for those of us living in Franklin, I mean, it, it can be difficult, right? I mean, the, 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 the bike trails are cool, the parks are cool, the downtown area is nice, and, um, and I know a lot of us are new to this area, but some of you grew up here, and you and your families were instrumental in, in, in building this community and building this city and making it such a great place to live. And so on behalf of all of us who have moved here recently, uh, we thank you. We thank you guys. Um, thank you for welcoming us into your city. And thank you for uh, allowing us to add to the traffic that you experience on 31. Uh, we, are, we are happy to contribute that to you. Uh, and I think those of us a few weeks ago that gathered for the National Day of Prayer out, out in front of the courthouse in the lawn, and uh, we were just struck with this sense of gratitude, thanking God for this city and for the number of, of people that were lifting up prayers for our people, for the elected officials, for our community here. Um, I was just struck with the sense of being grateful for, for what God has done and is doing through the churches here in this city. Uh, we know that there are many churches that have come before us that have done a great work here. We know there are many churches right now working alongside of us that are doing a great work. And we know many that will come after us that will continue to want to see God glorified in this place more and more as time goes on. And so we are just happy to be able to play a part in however God would call us to play a part in the work that he's doing in this city. But even, so even though Franklin is amazing, and I'd be the first to promote it, through faith in Christ, we now have access to a better city, a city that is an everlasting city. And in fact, Franklin will be more and more blessed as we, the people of God, live at more and more as citizens of this better city. It will be. And what we need to see this morning is the city that Abraham and all the saints of the Old Covenant were looking forward to, we now have become citizens of through faith in Christ. You'll remember a few weeks ago, 
uh, we talked about the new covenant when I busted out the whiteboard, right? And we're, we're starting to draw and look at kind of how this all looks throughout time and history. And we talked about how Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, it really was apocalyptic in nature. It really was a world-changing event. It was like the end of history happening in the middle of history. You see, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and then ascension to the throne, it ushered in a new age. It ushered in a new world order. It ushered in a new creation that is already here, but not yet fully realized and won't be fully realized until he returns. Remember, we use that phrase, it's the already not yet kingdom that we live in. And in the same way this morning, it's the already not yet city of God that we are now citizens of. And as citizens of the already not yet city of God, we must live by faith. We must live by faith. That's, we're in this glorious chapter, Hebrews 11, and out throughout these weeks of going through Hebrews 11, we're really looking at what does it look like to live uh, by faith. Hebrews 11 maybe isn't the best definition of faith, but it is a great description of faith. This is how living by faith looks in the lives of these people. And so if I muddy the waters too much this morning, which I know I can at times, step back and realize we are talking about what does it look like to live as a citizen of the city of God? It looks like living by faith. What does living by faith looks like? Well, that, well, that, that is what we're going to look at as we look at these examples in Hebrews 11 this morning, starting with Abraham and Sarah. For this is how citizens of the city of God live. We live by faith. We live by faith. In fact, faith is how we become citizens of this great city. It's how we grow and live in this great city. And faith is how this great city will be more and more realized here on earth. And so that's where we're going this morning. That's the structure of the sermon. Through the example of Abraham and Sarah, we'll see that the life of a citizen of the city of God, it starts by faith. And we'll see that true faith is a faith that obeys. We'll see that the life of a citizen of a city of the uh, the life of a citizen of the city of God continues by faith and is growing as God is building. And then thirdly, we'll see that the life of a citizen of the city of God, it longs for the city to be more and more realized here on earth. All right, so this is the citizen, to to live as a citizen of the city of God is to live by faith. Faith is how we enter in. Faith is how we grow and live in this city. And faith is how we long for this city to be more and more realized. So let's pray and then we will jump into the passage this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we come before your word eagerly anticipating that it will cause us to be in awe of you. Father, I ask that the words of our mouths this morning, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. God, we ask us that you would, you, you would, we ask you, Lord, that you would help us know your ways, teach us your truth, empower us to believe you and to enjoy you and to obey you. 
Father, in my own strength, I know that I will not be able to articulate a fraction of the glory that we could behold from this passage. (laughs) So God, please help. For the sake of your people who are coming to hear from their chief shepherd, we ask that you would please help. Lord, we are your people. We thank you for your love and your grace. And we ask that your word would nourish us and strengthen us. May you open our hearts and our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit that we may hear your word and that we may taste and see that it is good. Convict us of sin. Comfort us with your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes, first thing we really need to see in this passage is that the life of a citizen of the city of God starts by faith. And true faith is a faith that obeys. It starts by faith, and true faith is a faith that obeys. There's no earning your citizenship here. There's no buying your citizenship. There's no being grandfathered in it. You become a citizen through faith. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 8. First three words starts this way. It says, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham. This is how Abraham's relationship with God starts. And it's how ours starts as well. It is by faith. It's through a trust, a reliance, a dependence upon God. Not just believing that God exists, but that He will do what He said He will do. Real saving faith is a transferring of your trust in yourself for life and salvation. And it is throwing yourself completely onto God and what He has promised. Taking God at his word and trusting in his word, that is how Abraham was justified. That is how Abraham was declared right with God. We know from Genesis 15, 6, which we'll have up on the screen, God's word says, And he, speaking of Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Oh, church, the life of a citizen of the city of God, it starts by faith. Have you started your life as a citizen of the city of God yet? If not, today can be that day. And if you have, what is the fruit of that faith? How does this internal faith manifest itself externally? Well, you see, true faith is a faith that obeys. Look back at Hebrews 11, verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Oh, church, the, the, the life lived by a citizen of the city of God is, is, is a life lived by faith, and true faith is a faith that obeys. By faith, Abraham obeyed. He obeyed when he was called to go out to the unknown by God. Now, here, here's what you need to know about Abraham, okay? Abraham grew up in a, in a city called Ur. 
all right? It was a city along the Euphrates River in southern Iraq. And in Abraham's time, it was a flourishing city, big place of industry, had elaborate, big educational facilities, had a lot of businesses, had a lot of of religious uh, temples and things, very developed. It was a city, as we think of as a city. This city also had a huge stair-step pyramid structure that was built to worship a demonic spirit they called the moon god. And they would practice human sacrifices and horrific things in the worship of this moon god. And Abraham grew up in that city, in, in, in that culture, in that surrounding, worshiping demonic spirits instead of the one true god. Him and his family eventually moved to a city called Haran, which is further north, but it was still another city that had a temple to the moon god. And then God calls Abram, and Abram, by faith, obeys the call. And we see this in Genesis 12. You can follow along on the screen, Genesis 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now his mama named him Abram, but God changed his name to Abraham. All right? Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude, speaking to what God was promising to do in and through him. God called Abraham to go. He called him to go. He called him to leave his country. He called him to leave all that was familiar in his life, to leave the comfort and the protection of his own family and his own land and his own household. And he said, go to the land that I will show you. And God accompanies this call with three promises. God says to Abraham, number one, he's going to make him into a great nation. Number two, he's going to bless him and make his name great. And number three, that in Abraham, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Those are some good promises. Years later, Paul, when writing to the Galatians, is going to call that a big part of the gospel. In Galatians 3.8, Paul writes, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. How did he preach the gospel to him? Saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. But think about this call to Abraham. God was calling him to the unknown calling him to leave his relatives and his friends. And listen, in those times specifically, your safety, your security, your financial income, it was tied to your land and your family. It was dangerous to go out to the unknown. It was dangerous to leave everything that you were familiar with in the city. But God called Abraham to go. He called him to leave the comfortable to leave what he knew and what he could see, to leave even maybe some practical human reasoning and to go out to the unknown. And not only that, but he called him away from worshiping his idols. 
No more living close to the moon god temple. God, the one true God, will now be his God. Church, God oftentimes calls his people to leave the comfortable and the familiar. And he always calls us to abandon our idols. And I'll be honest, I don't initially like those truths. Uh, In fact, last week, as Pastor Kevin was bringing us the word, and we were being exhorted to slow down and remember God, I'm kind of sitting there thinking like, hey, if we're honest, one of the reasons we don't like to slow down and remember God is because we are afraid of what he might call us to do. (laughs) Or what he might press upon our hearts. I mean, sometimes that's uncomfortable. Many times it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's painful, right? I mean, what if I slow down and remember God? And what if he calls me to Africa, right? That's kind of the American evangelical worst nightmare, right? Like about having a quiet time. Like what if, just I'm saying, I know a lot of good things come, but what if he calls me to Africa, right? We're afraid of that. And in fact, in a month or so in July, the Williams family from Uganda, they'll be here. Uh, Justin will be bringing the word and be sharing what's happening there, right? We don't need to be afraid of that. Uh, Jesus is Lord of Africa as well. But what about this? Maybe God's not going to call you to Africa in your time with him. But what if he calls you to go talk to your neighbor and invite him for dinner? I mean, that's kind of uncomfortable, right? Sometimes that's awkward, right? I mean, can you imagine? What, what, if he, what if you slowed down enough to remember God, and, and what if he prompts you or calls you to give your money away? What if he calls you to a different job, or what if he calls you to a different ministry? Or what about this? What if he exposes to you some sin that you didn't know was there? Like maybe if we just keep ourselves busy enough, maybe we can just keep ourselves from being called away from the comfortable and familiar. But church, that is not how citizens of the city of God live. The city of man, yes, like keep yourself busy enough to never be called away from the comfortable and familiar, but not citizens of the city of God. No, you see, citizens of the city of God, we live by faith, and it is a faith that obeys even when we don't know how it's all going to play out and even when it gets uncomfortable. And church, there is so much joy and knowing that God is not just calling us away from things. He's calling us to some things. And ultimately, he's calling us to himself. You see, since the beginning, God has desired his creation to know and love and trust their creator. And many times we have to be called away from the comfortable and familiar so that we will stop trusting in our own strength and abilities and instead trust God. And church, it is only through faith that one enters into this glorious city and it is only through faith that one enjoys knowing and loving and trusting the king of this city. He's a good king. 
It is the city of man that builds stair-step pyramids to the idols of comfort and control. And many men and women have been sacrificed. Their lives have been wasted. Their joy has been suffocated because they were unwilling to answer the call of God and to topple over those idols of comfort and control. They were unwilling to leave the comfortable and familiar. But church, oh, how freeing it is to live as a citizen of the city of God, trusting our good king to himse- for himself to be our comfort. He himself is our comfort. We don't need an idol of comfort. Our God is our comfort. And we can surrender all control to him. This is what it looks like to live like a citizen of the city of God. It's to live by faith, and it is a faith that obeys, willing to be called away from the comfortable and familiar, willing to topple over the idols of comfort and control. And so how might God be calling you this morning? Away from the comfortable and the familiar. How might he be calling you to abandon the idols of comfort and control. Now Abraham, he answered God's call and he went. Now, he imperfectly went. There were a few missteps along the way, right? I mean, there were times he started taking matters into his own hands. He tried to have a son through his own reasoning, right? And, you know, just human kind of taking it into our own hands. We're going to figure this out. A couple of times he panics. He gets scared. He, uh, he lies about his wife and says that she's his sister and gives her away to other men, right? I mean, we've all been there, all right? <laughs> Not with those. <laughs> I, I meant we've all been there like we've had missteps along the way. Not, not, tho, not those specific ones, all right? Just to clarify, I have never said that Brittany was my sister, all right? I've had plenty of other missteps, though, all right? That's what I was trying to say, all right? We've had missteps. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for being gracious to me. But true, see, true faith is, yes, a faith that obeys, but, but it's not as if there was this perfect life that was led by Abraham and Sarah the rest of the way. Now, they held on to their faith, right? They didn't go back to start worshiping the moon god or anything like that, but, but, but they had some missteps along the way. Their, their faith had to grow. Abraham imperfectly went where God called. Abraham and Sarah are not the heroes of this story. You see, to live as a citizen of the city of God is to understand that our faith grows as God builds. All right, if you're taking notes, this is maybe point number two in our, in our sermon, right? That, that our faith grows as God builds. Abraham's faith was not perfect. And he had many, many missteps along the way. But nevertheless, God called and he did go. But a life of faith is a life that, has, that understands your faith grows as God builds. Look at this. Look back at Hebrews 11, verse 10. 
For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Love that. Whose designer and builder is God. Verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now you see, before Sarah received the power to conceive, Abraham and Sarah had tried to force the issue with what God had promised them. They tried to take things into their own hands. God had promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of a multitude of people, right? That's the name, father of a multitude. But they, but in reality, they were really old and they had no kids. And so they, we could probably even say understandably, they tried to take matters into their own hands. And Sarah had Abraham sleep with Hagar, who gets pregnant and has a son, Ishmael. And we haven't seen any problems come in the world because of that. And God says, no, that's not the way these promises are going to come true. God says, that's, that's not the way these promises are going to come true. God is the designer and the builder, and he doesn't need them to take matters into their own hands. God is not pleased when we try to accomplish his promises in our own ways according to human reasoning and pragmatism instead of by faith. You see, Ishmael, the son of Hagar, is an example and a picture of self-trust and human effort trying to help God out, trying to take things into our own hands instead of living by faith. And that is not how the city of God gets built. It's not by God's people compromising their beliefs or telling half-truths like Abraham did or taking matters into their own hands. No, God designs and builds his city in a way that only he gets the glory. Now, he works in and through us to accomplish that. We have a part to play in the means of accomplishing God's end, but he does it in a way. He designs and builds his city in a way that only he gets the glory. And over time, Abraham saw this more and more. His faith grew as he saw God build and as he gave glory to God. Romans chapter 4, Paul, when he's writing to the Romans in Romans 4, verse 22, excuse me, verse 20, he says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, right? Not that his faith was perfect, but he wasn't going back to the moon God, right? But he grew strong in his faith, how? As he gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith continued to grow 
as God continued to build. And we'll see next week that Abraham's faith had grown and strengthened so much so that he is going to be willing to offer up this promised son, Isaac. Therefore, church, do not be discouraged that our lives are full of missteps. But instead, we can take heart. We can take heart that God is still building the city that we are now citizens of. And our faith is still growing. And will and as we continue to trust him and obey him and give glory to him, our faith will continue to grow and grow as God builds as he gets the glory. In the book of Revelation, we see a beautiful picture of what the fully realized city of God looks like. We see this in Revelation 21. We see that in this fully realized city of God, there will be no need for any other source of illumination. Because Revelation 21:23 says, And that city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Mm. Long for that city to be fully realized, right? You see, living as citizens of the city of God while we are still living in the midst of the city of Franklin does not mean that we disconnect and abandon all the responsibilities we have in this place. So I'm not proposing that we kind of create a commune and kind of separate ourselves, right, from the city of Franklin because we're part of this new city of God. No, I'm saying we are to live as citizens of the city of God in the midst of the city of Franklin, but as we do that, as we live as citizens of, city of, of the city of God in the midst of the city of Franklin, it means that all our endeavors, all that we do here and now is being done to the glory of God, right? That is what will bring the light of heaven down to earth. That is where this is all headed, where the glory of God is the light for the city, where the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is the lamp. Citizens of the city of God, we do not live for the glory of ourselves anymore. And that's a freeing thing, to not have to live for the glory of yourself anymore. Citizens of the city of God, we don't live ultimately for the glory of Franklin anymore. We, we seek its good. We want it to be blessed, but we know that ultimately good will come to it as we seek God to be glorified in this place. And citizens of the city of God, we even don't seek the glory of this local church, Franklin City Church. No. Citizens of the city of God, we have to live for the glory of God. That is the light that is going to illuminate this city when it's fully realized here on earth. It is the glory of God that gives light to our city. And it is Jesus, the Lamb of God, that will show us the way. He's the lamp. And like Abraham, our faith will grow strong as we give glory to God. Our faith at times is very weak. But church, know and trust this, that as God builds, 
as we give glory to him, as we trust and follow him, our faith will strengthen. Our faith will grow stronger. Church, we don't know all the ways that God is building and designing his city that we are citizens of. We don't. Full disclosure, it's typically not the way we would go about building and designing a city. But we can take heart and know that it is a city that has foundations. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And the nations will rage and the cities of man will be shaken until only the unshakable remains. But we know that we are citizens of a city that will not be shaken. Therefore, we need not panic, but we can be encouraged. When God calls us to follow him, and when God calls us away from the comfortable and the familiar, because we know that he is calling us to himself, and our faith will continue to grow as God continues to build. So to recap where we're at, all right, the life of a citizen of, a, of the city of God lives by faith, all right? And it's a faith that obeys. It's a faith that obeys. The life of a citizen of the city of God continues by faith, by a faith that is growing as God is building and getting the glory. And the life of a citizen of the city of God longs for the city to be fully realized here on earth. And that might seem like a strange concept. So we're going to spend some time on that. Because you might ask, is this city that Abraham was looking forward to, are we living in it now? And we will, we will look at this passage in Hebrews a bit more in detail in the coming weeks, but we need to understand its context. So if you want to flip over to Hebrews 12, or I believe we'll have it up on the screen, uh, we will go more in depth in this in this. Uh, verse Hebrews 12 verse 22 in a few weeks but we need to understand it right now as we think about this city that Abraham was looking forward to is it just in the future is it just in our future or is it right now in the present as well Hebrews 12 verse 22 it says but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I know that that's kind of a mind-blowing couple of verses, so we're coming back to it in a few weeks, all right? But, but listen, this is not just a future reality. For the new covenant people in Christ, this is a present reality. That as the people of God, as we've answered his call to come to him through faith in Christ, we are now taken to the new heavenly Jerusalem. Paul says something similar that to, that to us it's hard to get our minds around in Ephesians when he says in Ephesians 2, 6 that God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's some mystery in that. That's okay. The author of Hebrews says that we have come to the city of the living God. We have become citizens of this city of God already. It's a city that is already here, but not yet 
fully realized until Christ returns. And that's the tension of this age that we live in, right? The already but not yet. A city that is already here but not yet fully realized. The question, though, is why is this a better city? I mean, do all the bike trails connect, right? There's some disconnected here in Franklin, right? Why is this a better city? And the short answer is, it's because God's presence is there. We no longer have to go to a city like Jerusalem. We no longer have to go to the temple. No, the people of God, God's Spirit dwells in us individually and corporately. We are the city of God. And so in one sense, you know, we're not exactly like Abraham was as a stranger in exile on earth, only able to look forward to the city of God. But now that Christ has come and the Spirit has been poured out and the Spirit now resides in us, in one sense, we have already come to this city of the living God, but it will not yet be fully realized until he returns. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Let's and we let's. Yeah. We'll, and we will talk more. I can talk with you more after. Thanks. Okay. So to some extent, we are still to live as strangers and exiles here on this earth specifically in regards to the part of our world that has not yet bowed their knee to Christ. But in another sense, when we gather with the people of God, the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we have now become citizens of this new heavenly city that is already here but not yet fully realized. Look back at verse 13 because I want you to see this longing that Abraham and us should have for this city to be fully realized here. Hebrews 11, verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, the old covenant saints were looking forward to God fulfilling his promises. And they had a great anticipation and expectation that God would do what he said he would do. That through the offspring of Abraham, all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. The psalmist echoed this as well, right? We saw it last week in Psalms 46 verse 10 that says, Be still and know that I am God, reiterating this, this truth, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Not just in heaven, but in the earth. 
This is what they were looking forward to. Like if the, and if the Old Testament saints had such a great anticipation and expectation of this, how much more should we, who have the privilege of living this side of the cross, having seen the Messiah revealed and having the Spirit now being poured out on us? You see, church, we live in the days where the Messiah, right, has been revealed. Christ, we've seen the glory of Christ. We've seen how this offspring of Abraham is now going to carry this out through the sending of his spirit and then the commissioning of his people to go disciple the nations. Jesus said in John 8, verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. That's what Abraham was looking to, not some day in our future. Abraham was looking forward to the day of Christ. Jesus said, your father Abraham was looking to my day. Now here's where we have to be a bit careful, all right? Because you see, when we think of heaven, we think of that place up there, right? Uh, we think of a, another d- spiritual dimension that is disconnected from this physical dimension, this earth down below. And that's really more of a Greek philosophy way of thinking, all right? But that was not how Jewish people and the early church would have viewed heaven and earth. You see, really the hope that is given to us in the Bible is not that someday we, go, we die and go to heaven, although that is true. That is true. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. However, the ultimate hope is that one day heaven will completely and fully come down to earth. And we will be physically resurrected. And the earth will be resurrected. And we will dwell in the presence of God here on earth. And so church, yes, we must long for the city of God to be fully realized. But we must right now start living as citizens of the city of God, even while living in the midst of the city of Franklin. You see, Jesus said, yes, his kingdom was not of this world, meaning that it was not from this world, but we most certainly believe that his kingdom is coming to this world. However, it's not coming the way that we would think in our own human reasoning. It's not coming through military conquest and coercion and control. No, the kingdom of God comes through his people stepping out in faith, proclaiming the gospel, calling people to repentance and faith, and welcoming more and more citizens into the city of God. The city of God is more and more realized here and now through people by living by faith, obeying God's word, loving God and loving their neighbors and living for the glory of God and not for the glory of man. People that are longing for the city of God to be more fully realized here are people that are praying people that are praying for the people in our city. We're praying the Lord's prayer for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, what happens is when we forget that the city of God is coming to the city of man, we are tempted to live lives that are just trying to escape this world. That's the temptation, right? Like if we can just get there, if we can just escape and not get too dirty or, you know, too messy or uncomfortable here, if we can just escape this world. But church, God has called us to engage 
his world. You see, this changes how we think and how we live. If we, if we think that we are citizens of a kingdom that is just trying to escape this world, or if we live and believe that we are citizens of a kingdom that is one day going to engulf this world. Do we really believe passages like Matthew 5.5, 5, where Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do we really believe Habakkuk 2.14? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You might be saying, well, yes, okay, I can kind of agree, see those things. But my citizenship is in heaven. And I would agree with you. Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul was writing to the Philippians who were aware that Caesar Augustus had established Philippi as a Roman colony. And he did this, he established a Roman colony by sending his Roman veterans there to live in Philippi. All right, Caesar put his people, Roman citizens, and placed them in the city of Philippi in order to bring the glory of Rome to Philippi. The intent was to extend Roman influence and presence throughout the world for Roman glory and presence and authority to be uh, uh, had there in Philippi. The goal was not just for them to be there a little bit and then to run back to Rome. The goal was also for them not to round up some Philippians and take them back to Rome. No, the goal was essentially to bring Rome there. When Paul writes to the Philippians, and tells them that their citizenship is in heaven. He's not telling them to neglect all responsibilities here and now and just try to get there. Paul, a Roman citizen himself, is trying to help them see that through faith in Christ, they are citizens of the city of God. And the church in Philippi is essentially not a colony of Rome, but it's a colony of heaven. And by them understanding that, that will help them truly live a life of faith that God is calling them to live. They must not simply be concerned with how to get there, but they must be preparing their city for there to come here. Citizens of the city of God must have a longing for the city of God to be more and more realized here and now for the worship of God to increase in this place, for his glory to be enjoyed in this place, for the light of the world to be put on display in this place. We must long for this. We're not just trying to escape out of here. We must long for this. We must long and we must pray to these ends and we must, we must preach and evangelize and disciple to these ends. We must love our neighbors to these ends. We must put the glory of God on display. Let that be the light in the city. And church, living as a citizen of the city of God, it is, it is so freeing. And there is so much joy to know that through faith in Christ, we have been welcomed in as fellow citizens and members of the household of God. Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2.19, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Church, the glory of Jesus that Abraham and Sarah were looking forward to has been revealed to us. And those that enter as citizens through faith in Christ, verse 16 says, in Hebrews eleven sixteen, God says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I imagine someone maybe needs to hear that this morning. You see, the cities of man are oftentimes ruled by people who are ashamed and disappointed uh, by their, of their citizens. This is not true of the city of God. God is not ashamed to be called your God. If you have entered into the city, if you have become a citizen through faith in Christ, God is not ashamed to be called your God. Citizens of the city of God have been accepted and approved and welcomed into this eternal city, not because of their own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ that has been transferred to them, and therefore God is not ashamed to be your God. Abraham had some missteps. You and I have some missteps. But if we live by faith, God is not ashamed to be our God. And so, church, I'll close with this, right? Just may, may we, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, may we live the life of a citizen of the city of God. It's a life that is lived by faith. It's a faith that obeys when God calls, even when he calls us away from the comfortable and familiar. May we live a life by faith that is growing as God is building. May we live a life of faith that is growing and being strengthened as we're giving glory to God, who is the designer and builder of this city. And may we long for the city of God to be more fully realized here on earth. Let's pray.